0: Hey, it's Shaston Rains, and welcome to Crosswalk Church. You're listening to Today's Presence, a podcast in which Pastor Tim hosts conversations about culture, daily life, and what the scriptures have to say. We desire to bring you encouragement and hope during this time. So once you finish this podcast, make sure to visit CrosswalkVillage.com to find more information about our church and additional resources from our pastoral team. Hey! people. It's uh, Sam and Tim. Tim and Sam. We are here. It's uh, it's an early morning session again. So Sam, I'm going to ask you what we usually ask, which is uh, what coffee are you drinking? And and what what process did you use to make that said cup of coffee?
1: Thank you very much. I'm on Cypher this morning from Covert Coffee, who was a guest on our show
0: yes, he was. a couple of
1: episodes ago. And um, I used a Kalita, a Kalita method. Kalita oh, nice. 102, one of my favorites. Nice. It's slow. It requires a little bit of thinking and thoughtfulness and I pray during the process. It's a <laughs> reflection time.
0: I'm not laughing that you're praying. I'm laughing at the way you're saying it and then you said you prayed and I prayed and I felt like I was laughing at your prayer, which
1: I'm so for. What are you drinking? Um, what are you drinking?
0: So, I'm drinking um you know, I don't actually know what's in the hopper, but I uh, I went and made myself a cayenne pepper latte. You you don't even look in the hopper to see what's in there. It's just in there. At this point, we're just using it. I'm sure it's it's something from arcade, probably Third Street, maybe. I don't know. Maybe Winter Espresso. I don't know what is. Does it just sit there overnight? That could could roaches get in there overnight? Roaches can't get in there. It's a sealed thing. We got a really nice grinder. Like it was (laughs) it was stupid when we bought it. I was like, what? How? Why do grinders cost that much? But it's beautiful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I I did on my I did on on our Slayer three group. Um, in the, cause I'm down at, I'm, I think we know this. I'm down at the church now. So I ran into the other building and made myself after, after I had done a drip already, cause it's been a long morning. So it's a lot of coffee. It's you've been much. up, you've been up for a long time since yesterday as usual. Well, this is what happens when your son continues to play video games with his buddy and you wake up at one o'clock and you're like, all right, man, time to go to bed. It's a school night. And then he looks at you like, really and you're like yeah i know that's That's stupid you can sleep in as late as you want tomorrow so anyway (laughs) it's ridiculous now isn't it getting restless the kids are getting restless they are man Man, i'm feeling
1: we're feeling it at home too
0: you do anything good
1: this weekend um yeah we uh ate and we um watched the awesome crosswalk broadcast Ah oh, April nice, two. Hey, that piece on, um, the healthcare the workers, health,
0: healthcare workers was. Yeah. Yeah, man. People doing uh, good work out there. That was amazing. I cried. I cried. I, that was uh, yeah. yeah. when she said, when Yanis said, um, you know, it's hard to get used to the amount of death, mm-hmm. you know, cause we, we deal in statistics, right? We talk about statistics and they don't seem that bad cause it's points of points of percents. And she's like, yeah, I, I watch a lot of people die. That's yeah. We we can't forget that's the reality, right? The humanity of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that in that you're right that these healthcare people are are living in living through this crisis in a completely different way than most of us are. Yeah, they're they're witnessing things that they're going to live with for the rest of their lives. Right. Yeah.
0: And so yeah. I you know I think it's so hard because so many people are dying, but they're dying alone. Like they don't have their families in the room, that sort of thing. That's really that was that was a reminder for me for sure. we've had a so you know, because I'm in
1: healthcare now, that's been one of the biggest issues we've wrestled with. Mm-hmm. How to give people opportunity to say their farewells and die with dignity uh, without their families, that's been incredibly difficult. Uh, yeah. And 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 I was talking to our one of our chaplains Jesse Seibel in Hawaii. Uh, it's it's an issue everywhere, mm-hmm. but especially in Hawaiian culture, where you do not die alone without your family. All your family surrounding you. Right. They have had some major major trauma to families that have lived through that. So
0: wow. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Hey, good news. It looks like. Uh, our guest for our next podcast may be awake. <laughs> you just see that? <laughs> he just loved our text. So he may okay, be awake. Um, but that's a that's a guest you'll have to find out for on the next podcast. Anyway, what are we talking about today, Sam? We're back to um, yeah, we did all the announcements, so let's just move Man, on. We'll yeah, updates, we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: we're back to um, Tim, a couple episodes ago, dear <laughs> listener. <laughs> Tim and I got into a conversation that we didn't think would heat up like it did. I know, huh? And today we've decided to go back to it. Generational <laughs> theory, part
0: two. In our last in our I like last you, podcast- I like your announcer voice. That's my favorite voice that you have, I think. <laughs> the announcer voice. When you go, dear listener, dear listener. <laughs> That's good. All um, right, keep going. So, so yeah, so last time we talked
1: about how different generations are Dealing with this pandemic crisis. and um and then and then we veered a little bit into into politics, into cultural stuff related to generations. Mm-hmm. and sometime towards the middle or three quarters of the way we got finally got the church yeah. and how church in general the the reality of church being multi-generational and some of the implications that are related to that. I'm just speaking right. the obvious now. And and we 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 nick the nerve with leadership. Mm-hmm. And the leadership thing is where I think we kind of left it. That the fact that there's there's leadership in that's part of some generations now that is is unwilling to relinquish or hand over, not relinquish, right? Hand over right. Um, the reins to younger generations. Yeah. If you want to say more about that, we can, but then we move on to other things related to this.
0: Well, I just, I, I was reflecting on that. And I think that, um, you know, Generation X has a tendency to be a little whiny. I'll just own that. Um, that's why our music was so good in the 90s, right? <laughs> we're all we're all angsty. Um, Nirvana, you know, said nonsense in a really angsty way and we all resonated with it. But um, I think that, I think that, there, there creates a social dynamic that then that that will play out over the next twenty years, which is that those of us in in our mid forties, fifties, um, are going to be quote unquote led by a younger generation that's been given the reins, with with perhaps not as much wisdom maybe more energy, but that'll be interesting to see what happened. Cause I'm not sure that's happened before in the same way as, as ubiquitously, right. As across the board in every industry. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. I'm a little fascinated to see what's going to happen. You know? Yeah.
1: You, so if you, if, if you could summarize in your opinion, the reason why I'm mean, I'm saying we, although last time, on the last podcast about this, I said that I don't know where I fit into this thing. I I migrated to generation X just because it's my age group. right? But I'm not, I'm not. So what do you
0: feel like? Who do you, who, who, what do you, what do you, where do you, who do you identify with? I'm
1: like a green card holder in the gen X generation. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe, maybe not naturalized. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I want to love the music of gen X and, um, I listen, I don't here's the truth. The truth is, I've always heard these generational theories with some suspicion. Yeah, to me, it's always been a an attempt to classify people that sounds kind of boomer. Mm.
0: <laughs> I think that's true. yeah, I mean, hey, listen, I think every person skews categorization, right excuse is that the right word um we used to do that when we played in a band together people would be like oh you sound like this and we'd be like no we're not like that we're our we're our own thing we don't sound like anyone i mean we had you know the same exact instruments that every other rock band did (laughs) but we were different we were the different ones so yeah there's probably a narcissism to that that we probably need to recognize and i think you're right i think that um i think that it's very important for that particular generation to make sure everything fits in a clean category i think I think they did that, but I think that's coming from a modernistic worldview that they were deeply drenched in. For those of us who began to like, you know, anchors away from that, if you will, um, we're a little more comfortable with the um, the nebulousness of, hey, I don't 100% know where I fit. But but institutions don't work that way. They never have because they're institutions. And so I wonder if we're not watching with, with everything that's going on, if we're not watching the fall of institutions in some respect. You know, um, I think we're watching a lot of our, you know, American empiricism fall apart, and it'll be interesting to see what that, what that, how what that means.
1: American empiricism. Those are that's an SAT term. Can you can you define?
0: I, I well, I think what we're watching in some respects, and I'm sure somebody's going to push back on this or be really unhappy that I said this, um, and I'll say this as a as a um, description. Not a proscription, I hope, but I think we're watching the fall of the American Empire. Um, mm. We the the amount of anxiety, the amount of anger that is expressed in in our political world, in our regular world, like it's um, a society can't be built on that much anger. Mm. It'll it'll you know it becomes it becomes cannibalistic. It will eat itself. Mm-hmm. and maybe it's the um again maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong but it feels like what we are watching is you know the the polar opposites become so far away that even even reasonable conversation has is hardly yeah. even there you know we can't talk about we can't talk about things like gun control because or, you know reasonable gun control because that's immediately You know interpreted as somebody's trying to take everything that I own like You know, maybe we don't have to go all the way to the extreme of that argument Every time we do that when we take an argument to its extremity It's always going to get a little silly, right? We know that in theology if you go too far too fast things get a little weird. You use a metaphor, metaphors don't work because they only go so far. You're like, we understand that. But, um, I think in, I think in the world that we're living in right now, there's so much anxiety and there's so much anger towards the other side, the perceived other side that I'm, I'm lamenting the loss of the reasonable middle. And I don't, I don't know where that exists. And sometimes I think I'm having a reasonable conversation and I realize, well, nope, I guess not. (laughs) Hmm. I guess not, you know, and and, as a pastor, it's fascinating to you know see what side everybody thinks you're on. I try and keep that relatively close to the vest um mm-hmm. and, and be as gospel oriented as i can but so when I say you know the fall of the american empire i don't know if we can get back to being a united people I'd love to, but i don't know that we can. Mm-hmm. I worry I worry right. that we can't. We
1: can't even agree on how to respond to a pandemic right now the you know did you notice over the last two or three days the amount of anger and angst that there is and i get it people are really restless and they're feeling desperate um but we we can't even a- agree when we see death and dying around us about how to how to
0: handle that together how well, to shoulder that together right yeah it's weird And somebody I'm sure would argue with me that, that this is not the case, but when you politicize something so much, when you politicize a pandemic so much that, that if you agree, there's a pandemic, you are somehow on one side of a political argument. That's fascinating to me. Wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, I I mean, people have told me like, oh, look at what so-and-so is doing. They're trying to control us. And it's like, oh, you know, this is not just happening in California or in Arkansas. Like this is across the globe. I think we have to recognize something's going on. And and I've had some conversations that with people who, who like, if they, if you accept that there's a pandemic, then you are part of the problem. You're part of what's being controlled. And that's gotten, that that's those are difficult conversations. I'm not going to comment on, who's right and who's wrong. I just those are those are difficult conversations to have if your polarization is that far, you mm-hmm. know. And and the problem is after a while that kind of that kind of rhetoric ends up being, you know, it's so narcissistic and then you add on a Facebook or a or a you know, and anything that is that is you know, personalizing the information that you're getting so completely that pretty soon you're not hearing any other dissenting voices. And then, then it allows you to go further and further into that, you know, into that kind of thinking on either side of the coin. It doesn't really matter that that personalization means that I don't see, I don't see my conservative friends or I don't see my liberal friends. I don't see that. I just see what I clicked on. You Mm -hmm. know, And after a while, that gets so deep. I mean, that's why the polarization is so far away. That's one of the reasons, I think. There's like an epistemological effect of truth that happens through social media and the algorithms that they've put in because I don't think those algorithms have an ethical compass. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Because it's math, right? You write an algorithm, you get what you get, and you hope that somebody's written some sort of morality within there and some sort of reasonableness, but I don't know that you can, I don't know how coding works. I don't know that you do that.
1: Mm. Are you, um there's a lot to unpack in what you said, but are you, um I mean, I love how pastoral you are. You're dancing around the conservative, liberal, um, you know, the the ways of looking at this pandemic. Uh, but, are, are facts facts? Uh, some, uh-huh. I mean, I, I'm getting um, email forwards every day, or some video forwarded every day that is where you can begin to see the polarization happening that mm-hmm. you're describing. Right? You can see the the tension building, and as you say, people are less and less interested in discussing um, actual facts or a, a, a communal way a a united way out of this crisis and instead they're looking for how to use it to um achieve their political purposes right or their theological whatever their position is uh to hammer that in so um but but we can say we can say there's there's still things that are true about this
0: and there's and there's still ways that we can address it together that are united yeah, I would. I mean, I would think so. It's fascinating to me when somebody's like, "Oh, those models were wrong." Yeah, if you work in epidemiology and public health, right, you understand those models are changing significantly all the time. Or economics. Yeah, yeah or economics. Yeah, you go, "Oh, it should be this," and then you're like, "Oh, it wasn't that." Well, maybe it's going to be this. Like, I mean, we're forecasting, right? So um, that I don't think that's nefarious. I think that's the way these things work. Nobody cares about public health until there's a public health crisis. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, when I was working in healthcare systems and I was working in the public health world, you know, it's, these people deal with this kind of stuff all the time and they deal with, you know, they deal with, you know, a population that's not necessarily healthy. And now there's a pandemic and all of a sudden they come to the forefront and people are questioning the way that these things happen. Cause by and large, we don't know how public health works. We don't know how epidemiology works. We don't know how, you know, and, and I think even from like our theological background, we're going to have a bunch of problems when they start contact tracing, because they're going to think, you know, you're going to think, you know, if you have an apocalyptic worldview, you're going to think, Oh, they're, they're tracking everything I do. I love the fact that people think that contact tracing, like that's going to be the thing that, that takes us over the edge and ruins our privacy. Like <laughs> you've got a cell phone. I'm pretty sure we gave that yeah. up a while ago, but, but I just think that I, I just think that, in the grand, sorry, I think I got on a little bit of a tangent there, but in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of things, um, truth is a bit interpreted, hmm. right? And and if you believe that source of truth is coming from a place that is trying to do something to you, you will hold it, you know, you will hold it in contempt. So no, I don't think facts are facts anymore, hmm. because the source of your truth makes a big difference. Hmm. And then the interpretation of that source and the interpretation of that truth, if you will. Mm. Right? Which is, you know, we've been, argue, we've been having that discussion in faith for a long time. Is there absolute truth? What does it look like? Then this sort of thing. Now we're doing it with what seem to be, you know, uh, uninterpretable facts, but it, yeah. seems like, it seems like we're still working on that. So I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know if that's a generational thing, by the way. I don't, maybe it is. Maybe it's just a viewpoint thing. I don't... <laughs> It may not be generational, but it but there's mark there's I think
1: there's markers in different generations that exhibit their preference for absolutism. Yeah. And, and I think what you were trying to describe earlier is that Generation X came along and said there is no absolutes. Mm-hmm. And the I mean the I think that what the stabilized, the world that thought that there was absolute truth, and that, and I'm not saying that. By the way, I'm not saying that there is not absolute truth. I'm just right. saying that the world that had clung to absolutism as the, as the anchors from which you can function in the world, found itself with this generation saying everything's relative. Um, it was frightening, or, or they're not going to hand the reins of leadership to people who who, who, who <laughs> don't know what's true or not. <laughs> see the world that way, right? Where yeah, on the no. other hand I think generation X was saying it's your absolutism that led us to unhealthy systems around the world, imperialism, um economic systems that that don't work. It is a theology that's that's not it's not doesn't function in the real right. world and they saw it as a um look so so here's I'm not here to give answers either just to to foment conversation, mm-hmm. to froth the foam, but- um, Froth
0: the foam, I, I thought you were gonna say fan the flames, which <laughs> is better uh, to froth the foam, but that is a coffee, a coffee. I, a coffee. I, get,
1: I am not a philosopher, um, I think Tim is more of a philosopher than I am, oh. but so if you're a philosopher listening to this, just just listen and smile. <laughs> and, um, I, I think our, since I'm a green car holder, Generation mm-hmm. X, um, our contribution could be introducing relativism as a um necessary um, destabilizing sort of sort of move towards an absolutism that was destructive. if we're like the but I'm saying relativism is not healthy either. <laughs> this is like the radiation. If absolutism is the cancer, the tumor, um, it needed to be irradiated, to be <laughs> shrunken somehow. Um, but if you live, you live in a world where nothing's true and nothing can be trusted.
0: Yeah, that causes problems too, right? That, that'll kill you. There's, right. that's, you cannot live that way. So, so I, think, I think the de- deconstructionism that Generation X brought to the world, I think was, um, not to the world, just, you know because we're behind probably Europe and some of those other expressions. Um, this is obviously very, you know, American-centric, but I think that... Um, and, and Adventist. And Adventist, yeah, sure. Um, I think that, I think that the, um, the deconstruction that we brought to, to thought and to institutions and all that, I actually think that's very good. I think Generation X's um, inaccountability to reconstruction has caused us problems. Mm -hmm. Right. We're, we're, we're all about tearing down the house, but sometimes we're not as interested in like, you know, rebuilding from the scraps and that's unfortunate, right? That's irresponsible. And I've seen a lot of that within my generation, our generation, um, like, you know, let's, you know, it's like a university professor who loves to blow up kids, um, yeah, blow up their heads, right? They like throw the grenade out and, and then yes. they're like, yeah, look at that. And these kids go home and people think, oh, they've lost their souls. They've lost their belief. They've lost all that. And sometimes that's because of the irresponsibility of someone in higher education who's unwilling, like loves to break it down, but doesn't necessarily want to build something back up. I I think people who that's what they feel like they're called to their job is to just be the deconstructionist. I think we have to reconstruct, but that means that what we reconstruct is going to look different. And I think people have a hard time with that. And that's what I think is so fascinating about what's happening right now is that we are literally in, 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 in a few short weeks, months, time, uh, a deep deconstruction of what our society is doing. And now a reconstruction and I see yes. people wanting to get back to normal, but I think what this has revealed is there's some inequity, there's some inequality, there's some justice issues that and compassion issues even that need to be reconsidered. And maybe we remake this world mm-hmm. that we are coming out of our houses to be a part of again. Maybe we can have a moment um, after this Sabbath, if you will, the sabbatical that we all took from our lives. Maybe we can, yeah. Maybe we can recreate something and not be so consumer-centric Cause I think that's probably the greatest evil over the last 30, 40 years, right? Is yes. such a consumer mindset that our 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 whole world basically shuts down when people don't continue to buy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey, so so I'm gonna put I'm to put some let me maybe try to do some application here. Yeah, do that. Do um that. and I'm gonna do it by way of saying um illustrating your
0: brilliance. <laughs> <laughs> um, in other words, in other words, I'm clarifying <laughs> the the junk you've been talking about for the last 15 minutes. Good. Someone needs to clean that up. That was just no. that was rambling, incoherent. No. Right? Look, I I've always told
1: I've always told you that you could I can take a sermon of yours and and it and there's it's so good and so dense, and I don't mean dense in a bad way, because you could take dense in a wrong way. <laughs> it's it's that I could expand it into a whole week long uh, week of prayer or emphasis in dwelling. yeah, but the, way, but
0: the way you say that is always you do too you do too much you <laughs> That's do too much That's like you work too hard. Stop that. No,
1: so here's what I was thinking. I was thinking as you were saying that that because I worked in a academic setting for 21 years, right? That I saw exactly what you described happen um, every week. Mm-hmm. There would be a professor. Now I'm talking about people who I love. There were my sisters and brothers and- And people in community. general.
0: You're just talking in general.
1: In you're not general. not about
0: anyone in specific.
1: Who do what you're talking about. They throw a grenade in a room and a bunch of 18-year-olds are told for a quarter, you thought this was true? Well, it's not. And a, a lot of the work I did in the second quarter of every academic year was to um, have students came to my office. Basically, in full-on Cartesian anxiety, mm-hmm. because they had been told everything you thought was organized in a specific way is no longer that way. And I mean, uh, this is a side note in case you, dear listener, uh, ever went through this. Um, I I think I think academia owes more, especially faith-based academia, owes more to people who come to it. Um, looking for an answer. I think people come looking for a cast of supportive Mm. people who will help them through the toughest questions of life, Mm -hmm. not people who will just, you know, tear down everything they thought was true and then leave them there in a smoldering heap of
0: agony. Oh that's Um, that's that's a whole podcast. That's interesting.
1: Definitely. And that's the future of education which we've been we've been meaning to do, right? Right. So if if anyone has ever been through that and you're listening to me right now, I want to apologize on behalf of how we what we did to you Mm -hmm. i know i know lots of people who walked away from adventist higher ed or at least any higher ed with their faith in shambles and weren't didn't receive the kind of support and care and love that helped them build another framework and maybe they're still floundering out there and and so what i think look so what i think the the um what, what I, my, and this will be for the future, but mm-hmm. let me just give you a little word on what I've said for years is that we ignore, we ignore Fowler's spiritual developmental stages mm-hmm. so often. And that's a simple thing. Yeah. Just people, people progress through spiritual development is something your dad championed. Yeah. Um, in, in a real, like it's, it's science. Yeah this this is this is real. And so when you when you violently wrench somebody from an early spiritual developmental stage and you leave them out of like out of sorts I I think you do sometimes deep and lasting damage to their to their spiritual yeah, I think you
0: got to show them a path, right? I think and we've often talked about this like the academic response versus a pastoral response. And I don't think those things are opposed to one another by any means. I think I, I think you make an interesting point though that at a faith-based institution, one of our responsibilities as educators is, is to not just blow it up, but also to show them what's next.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think what's next needs to be easy answers, but I think we need to give them a um The tools and confidence that some some things are true. And this Mm -hmm. is what I think the value of what you're doing at Crosswalk is. Um, I love that. I think that what lots of uh, a whole generation that may have gone through education that did only the work of deconstructing, Mm -hmm. they're hearing scripture again, exegeted honestly and with diligence and i think they're hearing a love and trust in jesus that's giving them confidence um so yeah i want to thank you for that especially this series this is a good good series this is a good
0: series but you know i i think what's what's the saying christianity has no grandchildren right it's always one generation from extinction Mm. Um, everyone's gotta, everyone's gotta experience who God is and everyone's got to make that choice for themselves. And I think sometimes we push it on them at 12 years old to make a decision. That's probably a little early, um, I think we ignore them through college. Sometimes I don't think you did. I think you've got lots of colleagues who who certainly don't. But I think sometimes we do, because they're expanding minds and they're asking questions that are difficult, and we're a little nervous about those questions. So we either recidivize back to, well, here's the answers. Don't ask your questions, mm-hmm. or we go, we don't know, we don't know, or we do what we said before, throw a throw a hand grenade into their faith. Um, we have to we have to walk with people. I think in the end, right, our job is to. Curve everyone's orbit that's under our influence a little closer to Jesus. Yes. If he's the center of the universe and we're all orbiting around, bouncing around space. When I come into orbit with someone and when I, when I, you know, when that coincides and that parallels, my job is to bend that orbit just a little bit closer to Jesus. And, and as educators, we have an opportunity to do that. Um, We have an opportunity to do that significantly for, for time. Like we've got time, to do that. And, and I'll count myself as an educator on a good day. Um, mm. cause I've taught in, you know, primary, secondary, and, and tertiary, um, education in the Seventh-day Adventist church, as well as outside of the Seventh-day Adventist church. And, um, you know, people are looking for anchor points. We have a tendency to think we're either going to give them the platform or we're going to let them, you know, float out in the in the water forever but as a surfer you know you look for an anchor point and you look you look on the shore and you go okay that's my anchor point i'm not going to get too far away from that and if we can give people anchor points in their lives and their faith journeys they can at least you know let them play in the waves i think that's healthy i think that's great i think they need to get pummeled sometimes even by those waves but in the end they know where the anchor point is and they can get back to it and that's really important I got a, I had a, that's
1: good. That's great. I have a, I have a, I remember someone, I, I wish I could remember who I heard say this years ago that, and it's something I've been using for years while I worked at, at in university um, that we've got to give people a people who come to people who come to faith with a rigid box that mm-hmm. are told what's in the box is is faith and anything out of it does not belong um and your job is to decipher what goes in the box or out of it (laughs) instead what we got to give them is a a a, something that's not a box that's actually got fluid fluid lines that can change and expand as they discover things that are true that belong right this is this is is bible this is biblical this is paul it's it's, it's the entire Hebrew Bible, Old Testament, God saying, I'm bigger than your notions mm-hmm. of who I am and Paul's saying there's truth everywhere. It, all truth belongs to God. Um, no one has a, a, no one owns truth, only God, only mm-hmm. God is truth. So um, it, but it is when it is when we don't allow people the flexible lines and we tell them it's a box that they, ha- they come, everyone will come to a decision when they find something that's true that's out of the box. They have to say either I leave the box, so I can claim that one thing that's out of the box that's true, or I have to live the rest of my life with this tension, knowing I have chosen the rigid box of faith here, but I'm going to keep ignoring that thing that I know is true out there.
0: Right. Uh, and and that is an incredibly uncomfortable way to live. Right. Uh, well, so- it's 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 a it's a belief in a in a in a false binary. Hmm. It's this or that. Everything is this or that. And Hmm. that's, that can't, I mean, that's even shaded the way that we've done evangelism, right? Just get get them across this line. They were, they were non-believers, now they're believers. And then we have statistics where it's like, oh, it takes seven years for somebody to convert. Oh, well, if that's the case, then, then it's not like just jumping over a fence. Obviously, there's, (laughs) there's a lot more going on. It's fascinating to me that somebody will say that somebody will say, you know, it's seven seven years to be converted, and then you know, we'll have an evangelistic series with the whole goal of like in six weeks getting everyone converted. Like, obviously, that's not the that's not how this works. It's much more complicated than that. Because humanity is much more complicated than that. And that is the beauty, that is the masterpiece, that is the human, you know, spirit and psyche and 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 intellect that God created. He yeah. didn't he didn't make it simple. He didn't checklist it out, unfortunately. That would have been easier. But um so yeah, hey, man. that's good stuff. It is good stuff. I uh,
1: we're we're a little deep into this one, but I I just think we I need to end. There's other yeah. things we're going to talk about. Should we come back another time? Yeah, I yeah, well, maybe so.
0: We got to talk about the whole education piece because I think there's a there's a reality that we got to deal with that too. From yeah. from everyone being at home doing education, maybe there's some systems there that need to change a little bit. Truth. Truth. We can, that's another, for another time and another place. Another time in another place. <laughs> that's a, that's another we're going to be, do, be doing this podcast till we're dead. There's too Until much. The
1: Perusia.
0: Perusia. That's better than saying we're dead. Yes. That's Greek, by the way, for the coming of Jesus. Well aware. Said it in no. the sermon this week. Yes, you did. That's right. You did. Sorry. I apologize. By the way, did you catch my, uh, catch my SAT word mm. this week? Uh, which one? Of the many. No, no, no. There was one in particular. You catch it? <laughs>
1: don't, don't. Uh, this, is, this is putting me on the spot. I, um, I, I know you weren't really watching. I did. I do. We uh, always sit, my family and I have a ritual right now. Uh, we sit and watch a sermon every awesome. Sabbath.
0: Um, At noon. Yeah, the word, I, was, the word was fulminate. It was a good word.
1: I want to say I remember it. <laughs> it
0: came quick. It came fast. What does it mean? Uh, it means to vehement, vehemently protest against.
1: When you have to use more SAT words to define the word you just used, <laughs> you know your listenership has to be masters level educated or above. To,
0: I've I'm, had, I've had, listen, I've had people like, "Hey, my five year old daughter is not interested in listening to you anymore." <laughs> go, okay. I I should challenge
1: it to make up a word in your next term and see what happens. <laughs> Formificate.
0: Oh, which we forgot to do on saltworks this week, didn't we? Don't. I know. You,
1: you can't expose. You can't I'm expose. Not going to tell anybody. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs>
0: All right. <laughs> so, are we ending this? Is that what's happening? We're rolling Let's to it. a stop. Yeah. Okay. Hey, everybody. This is Sam and Tim. Tim is Sam. Thanks for hanging out with us. I don't know what we talked about today. We kind of went from generational theory to some educational stuff, to even um, concepts of conversion and that sort of thing. That's just what I remember saying last. Yeah, that's like, a good takeaway. Thirty seconds. Ago. A good takeaway. So that's some good stuff. Um, We're gonna have a little guest next time. Next time, I think this will be. This one should be released on like Thursday so maybe the next Tuesday I don't know I don't know when they release them it doesn't matter anymore some of you we're hearing some of you are binging like you're listening to 12 hours of Tim and Sam (laughs) Sam and Tim that's a horrible idea it disturbs me we're not Netflix you need to you need to space this out (laughs) for sure All right. hey you guys thanks so much for uh, being with us we'll see you soon